This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, good morning from California. Good morning, Mom, from New York City. <laughs> so, middle of June, it's nice out here, uh, wonderful weather, and uh, we hope that um, everybody who's out there are getting their kids out of school and, you know, all the stuff's going on, and we hope everybody's taking care of themselves, because this is kind of, June's kind of a transition month, moving us into summer. and uh, It definitely is a transition month here in New York City, because the kids just got out of school last Friday. We, we, you know, we're not like West Coasters. We, we actually go to school until June. And, um, yeah, so all the kids are just getting out. This is their first real week of summer vacation. And we're getting ready. We'll see you next month, Heidi, for the Compassionate Friends. Uh, it's going to be an international conference this year. And uh, they're going to have people from England, you know, where Compassionate Friends started in England. And uh, there'll be people at Costa Mesa, California, at the Hilton Hotel there. So we hope uh, if you've lost a child or a grandchild or a friend of a child or a sibling that you will join us. Heidi and I will be doing some presenting there, right, Heidi? Absolutely. And like you said, Mom, it's a really big deal this year because it is international. There will be people from all over the world at this conference. And I am on their board and my mom's on their advisory board. So we actually went out a few months ago to the Costa Mesa Hilton and saw the lay of the land. And it's in a fabulous location near Laguna Beach, near Disneyland. In fact, they're taking the siblings this year to Disneyland for a trip during the conference. There's a lot to do, and so please join us. There will be international speakers from all over the world, and we will be there, and I think it's going to be a very powerful conference. And what's the date on that, Heidi? The dates are um, Thursday, July 19th, Friday, July 20th, Saturday, July 21st, and it will end with a walk on Sunday, July 22nd. So lots going on. And, you know, if you're a family who has trouble, you know, getting the siblings to come, this is a great year to do it because you can get them, you know, out for the Disneyland thing. So, And there's a great sibling program, isn't there, Heidi? There is. In fact, I just got together with all the sibling conference coordinators, and we talked about what we're going to be doing with the siblings. They're, they're going to be going to Dave & Buster's one day. Like I said, they'll be going to Disneyland one day. There's going to be a, a room with a Wii, and there's going to be a lot of fun games and a lot of times for the siblings to just be together and not feel pressure to have to talk about their sibling that died unless they want to, but also to have fun and take a break from their grief. Absolutely. Well, Heidi, we've got a great guest today because we always like to have uh, people that we know and know well and uh, has a lot of energy and is a very special person to us. you want to introduce him? Ron Volano is one of my seriously all-time favorite people. He definitely has made my short list, and I am on his show monthly. It's called it's a show called Grief Journeys, and it's a fabulous radio show, and you can get there if you go to blogtalkradio.com backslash Ron Volano, and he will tell you during our show all sorts of ways to get a, a hold of him, and Ron is an international expert on grief and loss. Uh, he is a leading expert in working through change. He, this this kind of work found him, and it found him after his 17-year-old son, Michael, died in an automobile accident. And, you know, Ron speaks from the heart about this, and he speaks about how he found hope after loss. 
and how he embraced the power of change. Uh, he's a licensed psychotherapist. He's a coach. He's a hypnotherapist. He's the author of a fabulous book, which I will tell everybody out there to get because it's called The Zing, and it does give you very great ways to figure out how to embrace change and how to find your way back into the light after loss. And he hosts two radio shows, and as I said, he encourages and inspires people every day. He not only walks the walk, he talks the talk, he does both. He lives what he preaches, and he has a ton of great energy. Welcome, welcome, Ron Volano. How are you guys doing? How are you, Dr. Gloria, and how are you, Dr. Heidi? Great. It's so good to talk to you and have you on the show today, Ron. Yeah, I'm very excited to be on. Well, tell us a little bit to start out. Tell the folks a little bit about Michael. Well, Michael was 17 years old when I lost him. It was July 22, 1998, and very healthy 17-year-old, you know, out there being uh, what he was supposed to be, you know, going out with the girls, playing sports. Uh, he was into hip-hop big time, and... Actually, a couple of weeks before we lost Michael, he had an opportunity to have a contract with Sony to be one of the first uh, white rappers, actually. And uh, he worked very hard at that and had the whole thing going on. And, and then we lost him. And losing Michael, we say, uh, I say, he took my life. And now I say, Michael, after all these years, gave me life. Because I just see life so differently now. And I'm speaking to you guys, you know. It's not a way to get my name out. It's not a way to touch someone to say, Ron Volano's wonderful. But it's a wonderful way maybe to get a message to someone who's sitting desperately depressed, uh, feels like there's no way out, and that speed bump that's in front of them, they're lost. You know, that's really a speed bump. It's not a mountain. And you realize that later. Because, you know, the frame of mind that grief puts us in puts us in such a spot that even a speed bump seems like a mountain size. And when our frame of mind starts to catch up to who we really are, we realize that it is a speed bump, and then we could use tools that open the whole paths, my radio show, you know, psychotherapists like myself and you guys, and so many other tools out there to help you not to forget your loved one, because I don't believe that's possible. However, to teach you how to coexist with the losses and the past that you have in your life, and you can only do that by processing it, and that takes doing some, some work, and uh, you know what? Also, when you have a loss, and you guys know as professionals, that it also starts to, you know, unleash a lot of other things that you were able to suppress and hold down in your life. And all of a sudden now, you know, the loss that you have, and for us as a child, when you have that, it just, you don't have that power and willpower and willingness any longer. It's all gone. And so many things flood through you. Ron, let me say something. I'm going to take a, take, take a breath there, Ron, for a minute, because I am out there in the audience, and I'm listening to this guy, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. But what, what about you? Talk about when you thought it was a mountain run. What were you like after Michael died? Oh, after Michael died, I was completely, completely shot. I mean, I was uh, depressed. I went into what I call the well, just like many other people, didn't know what to do. I wasn't even able to work. And, uh, and I didn't recognize either that I had, you know, three other beautiful children still here on earth with me. And, uh, you know, I didn't pay attention to that. I was so stuck in missing Michael that I was sort of frozen in time. And uh, I, think, I think most people listening understand that. Yeah. Well, maybe they're frozen right now. What was your first step out? Do you remember anything that was a turning point or what? How did, how did you do with it? I'm, you know, maybe sitting there, haven't been out of get out of bed and I just turn my, you know, TV on and listen to this or my computer and 
I, I don't know. How how are you going to get me out of bed, buddy? Well, for, for me, what happened was, I mean, I had some good people. In, in my book, I have a chapter called The Light Bulb, and those are people that are non-judgmental and they're just there for you, and they come out of the woodwork. I mean, their bright light wasn't even noticed until this dark circumstance happened. And then they helped me, and I started get, going to the gym, uh, reading every day, reading all different kinds of books, um, from self-help to, you know, scriptures to just a lot of different books, and just started doing journaling, uh, putting, you know, positive affirmations up all around the house, and a lot of crying, and a lot of tears, and after a period of time, all of a sudden, it was like, uh, like I call it, like that movie, uh, oh boy, it was, I can't remember, but The Storm, it's called something Storm, perfect, perfect Storm. storm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I finally made it over the wave, and for the first time, instead of getting to the top and falling back down, I finally made it over, and the waters were calm, and the sun is out, and that's where I'm living now. I, I love it. Well, tell me, just uh, off the top of your head, what's the dumbest thing you did? Oh, the dumbest thing? Hey, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I have too many. Uh, basically, <laughs> I say one of the dumbest things I probably did on appearance is I would go in front of my house every morning, with uh, coffee, and I put my, my last chair out on my front lawn in front of this certain tree where all my neighbors could see as they're going back and forth to work. And I'd be out there reading, keep my phone there and talking to people to help me get through it. Probably 12, 14 hours a day, and I did that for about a year. <laughs> I love it. So, uh, I love it. So, yeah, and I did that for about a year, and I, and I have to be honest. I feel God, you know, talked through the tree, and I don't mean a voice, but gave me a lot of insight, and that was my comfort. Wow, and you sat out there on your chair. I'm loving it, aren't you, Heidi? Totally. It's so interesting that that's what you did, Ron. I'm just wondering what about sitting out there was comforting to you? Is it it that people were passing? I mean, what? I I think it was that, first off, I wasn't in the confines of a home, of walls. Mm -hmm. That was outside. I couldn't go further than that because I was so anxiety and panic-stricken wherever I would go. So I sat there, and there were quite a few good people who would and just, you know, sit there and just chat with me. You know, they'd come there, and they would chat, and they'd wave, and they'd see you. You know, they, they, let's put it this way, neighborhood knows your circumstances. Okay, but yeah. What do you do? Yeah. You know, I want to say to the audience out there, it's June, June 14th. The weather's probably pretty good about your around your house, and maybe you want to grab your lawn chair and go sit out and try it. See how it works out. You got, you know, if you, and I, and I like the thing you made a comment, Ron, that I think is really key in there. You said that you got panicky when you went out. Uh, that happens to a lot of guys, so I hear about panic attacks after a loss. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, think about them. You know, definition of anxiety and panic attacks is, you know, loss of control. Well, there's the ultimate yeah. loss of control. You know, it took my whole control away. There's nothing I could fix. And, you know, again, you know, when you look back at it, I can I can say this openly. It was it was a lot. It was Michael who was the camel that broke the camel's back? But there were so many other things that I was holding back from the childhood all the way up that came out. It came out through journaling. So anyone listening, one of the keys to moving forward is to journal your thoughts. When you journal, you finally see what you're thinking. And sometimes, you know, when you journal, you look at the journal, you read it, you say, "Wow, that was in my mind." So how could I be that happy if I was carrying that baggage? So. It, so journaling was very helpful, reading, self-help books. Um, I like the book that you guys put out. And one of the reasons why I do like it is because it gives you so many different, 
you know, authors have so many different things to say, and they say it within a page to two pages. So, hey, you know, Ron, thanks, thanks for that plug for Open to Hope, our book, Open to Hope, Inspirational Stories of Healing After Loss. And, you know, that reminds me of our other book that uh, we just came out with, Dream Signs and Connections, because David Morrell has a piece in there. He's the guy who did Rambo. And he has a fabulous piece in there about his major you know, anxiety attack when he was in Times Square. And you just explained to me why men have these anxiety attacks. I really didn't ever think about it before because I think they're, I think the men are really surprised when they have them. And you just told me why it is the control issue. Men like being in control and, uh, it is scary. Well, well, mom, and I'm thinking of what is, what is what, I mean, think about as a parent, one of the, your jobs is to keep, is to keep your children safe. And a man takes, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times fathers take pride in the fact that they keep their children safe. And, you know, when your child dies, to a certain extent, you, you didn't do that. I mean, you couldn't have helped it, but, you know, I think that's a part of the control piece, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and if you think about, um, just to slide over for one second, maybe someone listening, give them another way of thinking. Uh, for a male, when, when their wife or their partner is having a child, the reason why the man doesn't seem like he's as connected as the, the woman would want him to be is because he really is in pain of consciously watching his wife, the one he's supposed to protect, going through something that he has absolutely no power and no control over. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like torturous to be watching someone that you can't help them. And meanwhile, it's not a devastating thing. She's not sick. She's going to produce something that's going to be the most joy you could ever have in your life. But at the same time, you can't help her. And by trying to fix the woman in that situation, she's going to be more aggravated at him because she just wants him to help, because he can't fix this time. And then here's where we have a lot of the head button, and then that sort of filters into after even when the baby's born, then it becomes like a power play. So I've done my own personal study on that, and uh, there's, a, there's a lot of connection. So with men, once they have no control and losing my son Michael, I mean, I couldn't have bothered with God more than any, I don't think anybody in their lifetime could, could have argued with God more than me. I mean, it took for years try to get God to take me, send him back, but then I'm thinking, what's the point of sending him back and me up there? We're not together. So I'm trying to figure how we could both be dead or both be alive at the same time and how we could do this. So, <laughs> so, yeah, you're trying to, so you're trying to solve the problem. I think that, you know, haven't we found that men tend to be problem solvers on this issue, haven't they, Heidi? Yeah, absolutely, and fix things, like Ron has said. Yeah. Yeah, we're problem solvers while we're causing problems. <laughs> so, Ron, I, I wanted to ask you, I asked you what the dumbest thing you did, and you talked about taking your chair out on the lawn, and I, I think that's so great. What's the smartest thing you did? The smartest thing I did was to finally open up and allow these couple of people that I call my light bulbs in my life and allow them to help me, allow, allow myself to go into willingness mode instead of using willpower mode. And the willingness mode was very difficult, and again, as a male, we're not used to letting people help us. And one, one was named Beverly, one of the people, who was just a darling even until today. And John, my other friend, very rugged, tough, tough guy, very intelligent. And I allowed them to help me. And they came out of nowhere. And that's why in my book I write about a light bulb person. And they helped me get through the tunnel. And I had so- to get through the other side. And sometimes the people who you expect would help you don't. They disappear. Not everybody can handle grief and loss. And People get disturbed when they lose their friends, but that's the way it is. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I say that, you know, and, and to give you a 30-second analogy real quick, in the, in the light bulb, what I say is if you're on the beach and, it's, you know, it's, it's a sunny day at 12 o'clock in the afternoon and the sun is bright as 
can be. You could have a light bulb lamp behind you that's 50,000 watts, and it's on, and you would notice it. But as it starts to get darker and darker and darker, that bright becomes not only light, but it comes a beacon to like a lighthouse uh, quality light level. And you wouldn't see that until the darkness came, but it was right behind you all the while. And that's how these people were. They were always there, and I never noticed them. And as it got darker and darker, they turned out to be the people I least expected in the world. Because I didn't even know them as well as I thought I did until this happened with Michael. And when I tell you that they were my light bulbs, they never left me alone. I mean, every day they were there for me. And, and whenever I needed, and grab, you know, I'll come and take you out of bed. You're going to the gym, John would say. And he's a big guy. I said to myself, I heard myself say, even in my desperate time, I better get moving a little bit. This guy's a giant. I'm going in the box, <laughs> into the, you know, into the car, you know. So, so it was really good stuff. And my goal here, speaking to you guys, is hopefully I could be a light bulb to one of your listeners, or my book can be, or the radio can be. And, and I want to do say this, that it is really honorable of you guys to be part of our radio show, what we're doing. And I really mean that because you're in this as well as we are for the same reason. It's not to get rich. We're in it to help people where we didn't have the help possibly. And and we could mm-hmm. do it through the radio, through their homes. Like now they're listening to us, sitting in their house, and all of our shows are archived like yours. So they can get us anytime they want to. So I have to say, Heidi coming on every month and Dr. Gloria now, every now and then we'll get her. And it's just wonderful. <laughs> and, it bring, and it brings life to to the show. We had a wonderful woman on this morning who has a book out as a wife caregiver. Her husband was terminally ill for 11 and a half years before she lost him. She's a PhD and she talks about how it is to take care of her, you know, how to take care of your your spouse when they're dying and then, you know, how devastating it is to you and how how invalidating, a lot of times invalidating sometimes. So, you know, there's so many different ways of grieving and so many different things that cause the death and and I love it. We have all these people on our show, all different people, and it's, it's wonderful. We allow yeah, them to great. speak freely and, and enjoy themselves. Yeah. So, Ron, uh, how do people get your show? Tell us about your website and your book, The Zing. It's a wonderful book, and it's a it's a quick read, but and you can peruse through it. You don't have to read it from cover to cover, and it, it's just a you know a great little book to have around. Yeah, I mean, The Zing is available. You know, people want to their iPads, their Kindles, their Nook. Now it's an ebook, nine ninety five. Soft cover book, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, our website, ronvalano.com. All of the uh, information is right on the website. Um, they go to ronvalano.com. The radio show's there. If they want to hear Dr. Heidi on She's on once a month with us, and we love it, called Grief Journeys. And the show is not depressing. It's uplifting just like this one. And, you know, we're laughing on and everything else, even though we've been through tragedy and trauma. And now here we are. We're on the other side, and that's what the message is. And basically, that's it. There's not much to say. You know, you said we do the radio, we do television, we do all the stuff, and again, just to do it, not to be a big shot. <laughs> okay, Ron, so you got one last piece of advice for me. I'm out there. What it, What is it? Well, the last piece of advice is I say to all of us who've had this major loss, honor your loved one's life by living yours. Uh, I love it. Mm, Perfect, like Danny. Well, thank you so much, Ron, and I uh, hope to get to see you soon, and uh, Good luck with all the great work you're doing. Thank you. And we hope to have Dr. Gloria on again if she can get up before the morning. <laughs> Maybe I'll get up at 6 <laughs> o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that'll be good. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I love you, Ron. Guys. You're yeah. awesome. We love you, too. Well, Heidi, isn't it fun to have Ron on the show? He's always such good energy. I love Ron. And, you know, one of my biggest coping skills 
is one of Ron's biggest, and that is humor. And I always, as a psychologist, I tell people, look, humor is a very adaptive way of coping because it's a way to release emotion. And, I mean, you know, sometimes you just feel like crying, and if you can kind of, you know, release emotion sometimes in that way, it's, it's a positive thing. So, yes, we, we kind of vacillate back and forth when I'm on his show between really talking about how difficult our losses were and the upside, which is that we are in a very good place right now and in a very positive space, and so are you, Mom, because it's been many, many years, and we want to give people hope that they are eventually going to get there. They may not be there now, but eventually lean on our hope, lean on Ron's hope, until you find your own, basically. Absolutely, and the fact that you're not alone out there and how wonderful all the new technology is that people can be supported and embraced by this. And you can uh, do it on your computer, and you don't have to go outside with your lawn chair, but sometimes that's a great thing to do. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with Dr. Heidi Horsley. Listen again next week to Open to Hope. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.